0: John chapter 4, I want to talk kind of about that video this morning, and if you're taking notes, here's the title. God wants to bless you and bring you out of your mess. Amen? God wants to bless you and bring you out of your mess. Now, if you're saying, well, I don't have a mess, well, you're exactly who I want to talk to this morning. You're the perfect person, candidate for this message, because a lot of times, that's how we are. We don't think we're really a mess, and we really are a mess. Amen? Our life is a mess, Even with Jesus, we still need every day to be ironed out. Amen. But how many know before we met Jesus, we were a mess? And I want to look at a story in John chapter 4 for just a few minutes this morning about the Samaritan woman. And let's look at verse 1. I'm going to read quite a few verses this morning, and I'll kind of break it down as I go along, but I believe this is going to bless every single one of us in here this morning. Amen. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made... And baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So he was always on the move. Did you know that they say that Jesus walked probably 15,000 miles in his ministry? That was an assu- assumption. They would say that most, most days uh, they would walk 15 to 20 miles every day. And so now we know why they live so long. Amen. But it says in verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. So if you're taking notes, write that verse down, key, because uh, the first thing we need to understand is that God cannot bless us and change us and take us out of our mess if somebody doesn't go and answer the call. Okay, so I want you to think this morning as you're listening to this message about who you are, about who told you about Jesus, and now who you need to tell about Jesus. Okay, because the gospel is go amen the the great commission and we can never talk about that too much because if we get busy becoming a, a Club or a social club or a place that we just meet together Then we're not doing what is the heartbeat of God, which is continuing to reach people Jesus was always looking for who he could go reach and we see that here. He was busy He had an agenda. He was trying to disciple these men. He was trying to show that he was uh, God's sent son. He was the Messiah. But he always had in his mind, I need to go where the lost and the needy are. And so the Bible says he needed to go to Samaria. Amen. And so this week, as we go into Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, God's got some people already on his mind for you to meet. God's got some people already on His mind that He wants to put down the path of them so that you can reach them and touch them. Tell them about the Lord. Share with them what God has done in your life, but you need to go. Amen? You need to be willing to go. So let's continue to read verse 5. So He came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of, of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and there Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the wall, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Look at me for one more moment, not look at the word for one second. This is important because we have to understand that he was going from Judea to Samaria. If you were to look on a map... Uh, it wasn't out of his way necessarily. He didn't go a whole lot of miles off of his path. But how many have ever been going somewhere that you knew was dangerous or somewhere that you was not real popular or somewhere that you knew a certain type of people were and you might have tried to avoid that or get through there as quickly as possible. Maybe you've been walking somewhere and somebody who looks a little different is heading towards you and there's two doors and you choose the other one. So you don't have to confront them. Amen. Jesus is teaching us here that we, he, he goes out of, the, out of his way to make sure he goes and reaches the people that need him this morning. Amen. Because the thing that we do as Christians too much is we forget where we came from. You can be sitting in a church for six months or a year or five years or 50 years and you can forget that you were a mess. I just told you when we started this service, you're a mess. And then you say, no, I'm not. I'm saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes. Praise God for that. But you don't forget who you were and don't forget you still live in that same fleshly body. You haven't been transported to heaven. You haven't you're still in the same body that was in that mess. And so here's something to write down. God doesn't bless mess. I've seen people over the years try to have God's blessing fill their life and be in walking in disobedience and say, God's going to bless me. And I say, no, he's not because God don't bless mess. He only blesses us when we're out of our mess. But only Jesus can take us out of our mess. Can you say amen? He's the only one that can get us on the right path. And so we see in this story, he says, you know what, I'm going through this place and I'm not afraid. I'm going to go there. Most people don't go here. Uh, My people aren't supposed to go here. But he begins to teach us something very powerful as he goes to to Jacob's well. So verse 9, it says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew... Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Or in today's terms, Christians have no dealings with sinners. Christians have no dealings with sinners. Now, i got to make sure I'm clear about this this morning. We have to understand that Jesus does not call us to go to the places and hang out and be what the sinners are and do. But he does call us to be with sinners. If you're going to try not to be around sinners, you can't live in this world. Amen. He didn't call us to, not, to go up on a hill in a mountain and be by ourselves. He called us to be light in this dark world. That's Amen. Right. And so I can be with sinners but not be a sinner. Right. I can be around them but not act like them. Right. How are they going to know that they need to be different if I'm not around them? Amen. They need someone to show them, hey, you're different. And Jesus did that. Now, there's obviously a lot of wisdom and a lot of things. Let me show you, for, for instance, one in this that's, that's, that only Jesus could do. Let me put it that way. He is at this well with this woman. And you know that especially in that time, you, do, you would think maybe today, but especially in that time, it was dangerous for him to be there by himself as a man with a Samaritan woman. Okay? It, was, he, it was dangerous. And so there, there is, and even the disciples later on in the story, I don't think I'm going to read that or focus on that this morning, they even say, what were you doing with, with that woman by yourself? And, and you know that I'm, I'm personally very careful about that. I don't ever get cornered or by myself with a woman just because of safety and being wise and not being accused of anything and reputation and all those different things. So you can still be a light, but you can be wise. Amen? And not be stuck in a place where it looks like you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Covering your testimony and watching yourself so that you're not accused of anything. So Jews, she says, have no dealings with Samaritans. And, and how many know Jesus just came to jack up everything about religion? Amen. What are you doing here? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You're not supposed to be here. And Jesus says, let me show you. Verse 10. Look, at. he says, answer and says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I believe that we're walking around every day at work and at school and in the supermarket. We have the living water within us and the people around us don't know we have the answer. But you're going to see in this story that they're looking. How many would be honest and and, and would agree with me this morning that people are looking more than we give them credit for? People are looking, they're searching, they're looking for an answer, they're looking for someone to tell them about Jesus, and she, she's just there at this time, and Jesus knew she was going to be there, and, he's, and the woman says, sir, verse 11, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, where do you get that living water? How many want people to ask you that question? Where do you get that living water that's in you? Why are you so different? Why do you talk so different? Why do you act so different? What is that around you that I see that is so powerful and different and amazing? What is it? How many want people to ask you that? Amen. She's trying to figure out what he's doing and why he's there and how he's going to get water out with nothing to get it out with. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. And Jesus says to her, whoever drinks, he makes some of the most powerful sp- uh, words in the Bible. Whoever, thank God for that. Whoever, that's where the messy person comes in. Whoever. He didn't say the, the, the right person, the clean person, the got it together person, the clean fish person. He said whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst how many have drinking of that water this morning amen how many have drink of the living water that only jesus can give now the spiritual water of Jesus is very similar to the water we drink here physically, if you think about it. If, you, if you're drinking water and you're, 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 you're uh, keeping yourself hydrated, then you're in good shape. But if you begin to drink too much coffee, too much soda, too much of other things, your body begins to get hydrated, dehydrated, and you need that water. And your body begins to, to ask for it. Your tongue begins to get dry. You don't begin to feel right. You need that water. And when you drink that water, it soothes you again. And it gets you feeling good again. How many know when you're really thirsty, there's nothing in the world like a good glass of water when you're really thirsty? Amen? It does something that nothing else can do. And I love coffee, but water is water. And in the spiritual, the same thing happens. We get filled with God's presence and His Spirit, and the, 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 the power of God comes into our life. And then what God does is He gets us, He allows us to get thirsty. So that we'll continue to seek him and continue to ask for more. Amen. So he says, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. He says, but the water that I shall give him, verse 14, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. See, she was she was looking She was searching. She she was open that day to the fact that Jesus heard the Holy Spirit say, you need to go here. If you'll wake up in the morning and say, God, where do I need to go today? If you're really concerned about souls, amen, if you really love the Lord, you're going to wake up in the morning. And even if you're going to work, you're not going to get mad when the detour happens. You're not going to get mad at the flat tire. You're not going to get mad at the fat. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to say that you're not going to get mad if you run out of gas. You run out of gas, that's your fault. <laughs> you need to put it in before it gets empty. Right? But I know that happens. Here's, here's some words to the wise. This is free. Fill your tank up at a quarter of a tank. Don't let it get below a quarter. and you won't run out. Amen. That was free. And your car will run better. And you won't suck off all the junk off the bottom of the tank. And it will cost less to fill up. Give me a high five. That was smart and wise right there. Amen. You ought to try that. Well, I don't have enough money to fill up. I just put 10, 15, 20 at a time. Well, if you'd fill up, you'd have more money because your gas would last longer. You wouldn't be going from tank to tank or sorry, gas station to gas station. Amen. That's important. (laughs) But you won't get mad at that situation that takes you off the normal path and you can say, God, God, I think you're doing something here. I'm here for a reason. I'm at this gas station for a reason. I'm at, I'm in this detour for a reason. I got delayed for a reason. Do you realize? Listen, if you get delayed from some construction or something like that on your way to work, and you get there five minutes late or two minutes late or something, whatever, just an example like that, and you're at a place in a time where you not where you want to be, that that God might have you there for a reason to talk to somebody. Amen. Might put you in. A, I've learned over the years to not get mad anymore. I, mean, I remember times when my car wouldn't start. And I knew there was nothing wrong with it. And back in the day, I'd get mad, I'd hit the steering wheel, I'd get angry, I'd, I'd do all kinds of things, and I'd, be, and I'd just be frustrated. And I, now I've realized, you know what, when my car doesn't start, it's just because God doesn't want it to at that moment. He's either saving me from something, or he's got me to talk to someone somewhere else. And so I just relax, and it doesn't bother me anymore. Because I know that God needs me to be somewhere. If you start looking at life like that, it'll change your perspective. Because God needs me to talk to somebody. Jesus could have got mad and said, hey, did you notice that along this part, the Bible says that he was weary. That means that in his flesh, he did not want to be there. In his flesh. Jesus was human. We need to understand that. It says he was weary, but he needed to go. He was trying to get to Galilee. He was trying to get up north. He was trying to get to another place. But something told him, you need to go to this well. OK, you need to get filled up with this water. Amen. And so Jesus said, uh, w- verse 15. Sorry, just for, verse 14. I may thirst and not come here to draw. So Jesus says in verse 16, go watch this. Go call your husband and come here. Go call your husband and come here. I want to show you how powerful the Holy Spirit is. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said well that I have no husband. So before you move on, verse 17, she confesses to Jesus her sins. Amen? Amen? She is real. God cannot bless you and get you out of your mess until you realize and admit that you are in a mess. He can't. He can't help you until you say, God, I'm a mess. I need help with this. If you keep trying to put on the spiritual, religious coat and hat and and scarf and all that stuff and keep trying to act like something that you're not and not deal with the problem and the sin issue, you can't get help. You've got to confess, Lord, I'm weak on this. Lord, i got a problem. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, help me with this. And she immediately, and listen, if you allow the Holy Spirit to to talk to you, he will. The Holy Spirit went straight to something that he knew about her and said, hey, go get your husband. She didn't have a husband. Watch what, now, now watch what happens. Verse 18. For you have had five husbands. So anybody that's had two or three, you ain't got her beat. Right. Amen? And he says, the one whom you now have is not your husband. Meaning you're shacking up. Right. In that you spoke truly, he says. So now we see that Jesus like Luke twelve seven shows us, knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows everything I think. He knows everything I do. He knows everywhere I go. He knows the intentions of my heart. He knows the motives of my decisions. And from God, I cannot hide. So the quicker I get real with God, the quicker I confess my sin, the quicker I quit trying to hide behind church and the Bible and religion, the quicker God will get me out of my mess and begin to bless me and use me to touch other people's lives. Don't hide behind religion this morning. Don't hide behind the facade of going to church. Going to church is the best thing you can do. It's awesome. But it's not going to change you. What's going to change you is when you let Jesus come in and change you. Amen. Jesus can come in. God knows us. So he says, hey, I know how many husbands you had, and the one you're with now is not even your husband. And so then she says, verse 19, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? That means be real. Be real. As you look at the Bible, I'm only going to give a couple of examples this morning you understand and see that Jesus goes out of His way to reach sinners. Amen. He goes out of His way to, 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 to go to the lost. And I cannot say it enough, and we're all guilty of it, don't get to a place where you become uh, spiritually better than anybody else. Amen. You need to continually realize how lost we all are. And when we do that, when we... When, listen, this is important because when we begin to feel pride and we don't even we wouldn't call it pride but it is when we begin to feel prideful in our spirit that i've arrived and man i've got some bible verses learned and i haven't done this for so long and i haven't thought that for so long and man i've been church 10 times in a row and and i and i and I, I read the bible when we start thinking that way we begin to be puffed up and we could somehow in a crazy sounding way get to a place where i feel like i don't really need jesus i'm doing pretty good all by myself Don't ever get to that place. Amen. All those things, we shouldn't feel good when we read the Bible. That's something we're supposed to do. We shouldn't feel good about ourselves when we pray. We're supposed to pray. We need to stay humble and say, God, without you, you, we need to make sure that we understand that he is my breath. He is my life. He is my water. He is my food. He is my everything. And I cannot live without him. And I got to stay connected to him and in love with him. That's how you'll make it. Not when you begin to look around and say, well, I've got it more together than that person. That's not the right attitude. The attitude is a humility that says, Lord, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I am the greatest, as Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. Amen. Not, and, you, and you don't say that so you can sin. You say that to realize that you are nothing without Jesus. Absolutely nothing. Amen. I can do nothing without him. I am nothing without him. I can go nowhere without him. And it keeps me close and it makes me remember he's my lifeline. And he wants to bless me. Don't ever forget that. God wants to bless you. He wants the best for you. He wants the best friendships, best marriage, best job, best house, best things, best relationships. But you've got to get your mess fixed first. Amen. And a lot of times the religious mess is worse than the sinful mess. Because the sinful mess, they at least know they're sinners. And the religious person thinks they're all right. Oh, what are you talking about? Read the Gospels. He spent the entire time rebuking those religious people. Amen. And so Matthew 2 shows us, verses 13 to 17, the tax collector. Look at that with me real quick, if you would. not hold your place in John if you can, get back there quickly. It's not that far away. Um, amen. I hope nobody in here is cold because this airs on and I'm good with it. So as long as you're good, I'm good. I had the fan on in my office this morning. So my poor wife, she sleeps like an Eskimo. She sleeps with hoodies and five pairs of socks and sweatpants. And How many like it cold? All right. How many hate it? God bless you too. Amen. Verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea, and and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And he passed by, and he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Listen, God wants every single one of us this morning to follow him. What? Oh, you're in Matthew, huh? Good thing you brought your Bibles, huh? Because I'm in Mark. And see why it's good that you're reading your Bibles? Amen. I said Matthew, but I'm in Mark. Praise God. If you're listening online, get your Bible out. Make sure you're reading with me. Amen. Matthew. Sorry, we're in Mark chapter 2. What I say, though? Did I say Matthew? All right. I didn't want to leave him out. We're already in John. I feel like we'll just say Luke, too. Amen. So he doesn't feel left out. Mark chapter 2. You know what got messing, mess, messing me up is we're talking about a guy named Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector. So, you all there? Yeah. All right, let's read it again. Then he went out again by the sea, and the multitude came to him. Is that right? Yeah. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw, the le- he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Look at the person next to you and say, God wants you to follow him. To follow him. Amen. He's calling you this morning. Amen. He's calling every single one of us to follow him. Amen. And and, and, and and listen. This is the cool thing. This is the cool thing about the gospel. He is not asking right here a Christian to follow him. He's asking a sinner. He's asking a messed up person to follow him. He is not. He did not say to this man, "Hey, how, you know how much? How many uh, uh, prayers have you done this week? You know how how much sin have you done this week?" I, he hasn't asked him anything. He saw the guy and said, "Follow me," meaning Jesus calls us where we are not where he wants us to be he calls us where we are the church has got to realize that we will get more people saved more lives will be changed when we realize that jesus calls us where we are and how we are can you say amen not how he wants us to be but who and where we are right there can you say amen for that Amen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know you, a bunch of us that came into Jesus messed up. And thank God he called us as we were, not as he wanted us to be. The problem is, and listen, this is not to take away from a standard. It's not to take away from expectations. Those things come, but God is calling us as a church to go and get the lost and bring them in as is. As is. Then by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the word being preached and by the church services and prayer and discipleship and Bible studies, they will begin to learn and understand, wow, I need to change these things. But you can't go out and tell them, hey, before you come, do this, this, this and that. You know that that's not how this is. We invite them and we need to let them know, come as you are. Come just as you are. And Jesus is going to reach you right where you're at. Now, it happened, verse 15, as he was dining In Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard it and said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, can you imagine an emergency room this morning? They're checking people in and as they're asking people that come in, are you sick? They say yes. They say, well, you're not welcome here. And then if someone else come in and they're good, the guy says, are you sick? No, I'm healthy. Okay, come on in. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But that's sometimes how the church might act. This is a hospital for the lost. This is a hospital for the hurting. It's the hospital for the bleeding. Amen. And thank God somebody told you about Jesus, no matter how messed up you were. Go back to that place of how messed up you were. And even if you were raised in church, there is a point in your life somewhere where you realize, even though I've been in church my whole life, I'm a mess. I am a mess. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I I need a Savior. And man, I've got to get other people saved. Those who are well have no need, but those who are sick. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He loves you where you are. Here, Watch this. He loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He loves you too much to let you stay there. And if I'll let him come into my life and and deal with my mess, he'll change me. Look what happens in John chapter 8. Go back to the book of John real quick and look at John chapter 8, verse 1. Say amen when you get there. Let's pick up in verse 2. Now early in the morning, John chapter 8, verse 2. Early in the morning, am I in the right place? All right. He came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, many of you know this story, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now I want you to bring that home again today. We're in service. Can you imagine bringing someone, can you imagine inviting someone to church and we have a little three minute welcome thing? And, and the timer's going down. Everybody's walking around. And you go grab your friend and you bring him up to me. And you say, hey, pastor, this is my friend. She's living in adultery. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's what they're doing right here. They're bringing someone into the church and putting them on blast. Can you imagine that? It sounds crazy. But, hey, this, here's my friend. He is full-blown drug addict. He is a loser. He is lost. He is messed up. Would you pray for him? No, you just bring him in. We have service. We we do the praise and worship. They're looking around weird. We get to the word. God begins to speak to their hearts, especially on a message like this and begins to tell, man, I'm a a lost too. I'm a sinner too. We try to make everybody in here feel the same, that we're all lost and need a savior. We're not looking at somebody else because of how they dress or how. Look. People come in and go. It happened this morning. We want you here. We're not telling you to leave. Sit and listen to the message. Let God change your life. They bring this woman to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, she is an adulterer. What are you going to do with her? And they're probably thinking he's going to say, get her out of here. What are you doing here, you unclean person? Amen? We would never be able to come into church. It was that way. Because we've all got mess. I like what that Thanksgiving thing showed. You know, you see in the beginning, you see all those things, and he took it, turned it around, and said, here's perspective. Amen? Even the guy, I'm not as bad as him. Even the guy, I like him because he makes me know I'm not as bad as him. (laughs) Then the scribes, watch this, brought her in, and they said, teacher, this woman's caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. And Jesus stood, sorry, stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. And as, as though he did not hear them. So they continued asking. He raised himself up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Amen. Who, who here can, can make this adulterer feel better by you be saying, I'm, I'm not a sinner? This is where Jesus breaks it down. You might not be living in adultery, praise God. You might not be living in fornication, praise God. You might not be a murderer, praise God. You might not be a a practicer of any of those things. That's what we hope for this morning as you're learning to walk with God. But you sin all the time. You're a sinner saved by grace. And you're only righteous because of Jesus. Amen. You are made righteous in his righteousness. Why? Because he took his sinfulness on him for us, our sin. So he says, whoever's best here at this, go ahead and throw that first stone. And even the most religious Pharisees and Sadducees could not throw that rock. They began to drop the rocks. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground some more. And verse 9 says, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Now, I want to show you something here that's important. Conscious conviction is good, but Holy Spirit conviction is even better. There's a, there is a conscious in us. When people do something wrong, God has put it in us to know what is wrong and right. But... I see this and I see that the Bible says that they were convicted by their conscience. And because it was their conscience that convicted them, they walked out. If it had been the Holy Spirit that convicted them, they would have stayed there. And said, what's Jesus going to do? They missed out on the miracle. They put the, they, they, did, they couldn't throw the first stone, but they were still so seared in their spirits that they said, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. And they left and watched this. They missed the what? The blessing. They miss the blessing because they're conscious. Amen. Again, I'm not taking away totally from the conscious, but we need to be led by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Amen. And so they left, and then Jesus says, as he was left alone, the woman standing in the midst, verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And these are, again, some of the most powerful verses in the Bible And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Okay, but he didn't leave it right there. This is the key to this message. He didn't leave her in her mess. He didn't bless her there. He didn't say, well, I don't condemn you either. So God bless you. Here I bless you and go child. Amen. He said, go and sin no more. Now, he didn't mean, don't he knew she was going to go sin again in a, in a carnal, human, mess-up sin, but not the sin that she was living in. He said, you came in an adulterer, but now you've met me. I don't condemn you for that. I forgive you for that, but don't go do adultery anymore. Go and sin no more. Leave this here. Don't ever go do adultery again. Amen? And I believe that she did. Now go back to John 4 and we'll close up there where we started off this morning. I want to show you something powerful. God wants to bless you and bring you out of your mess. Verse 25, we've been reading about this Samaritan woman and how she has a revelation of who the Christ is, who Jesus is. And she says in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I Who speak to you, am he? How many have met the him? How many have met the I am this morning? How many have a relationship with him this morning? How many knew he came into your life and changed you? You cannot doubt or question that you have met the I am. He says, I am who you speak of. And She says, sorry, at this point, Watch this, this is interesting. His disciples came. And they marveled that he talked with a woman. Remember I was talking about that earlier? Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? But they thought it. They they didn't say it, but they thought it. Why is he talking to this woman? So the woman left her water pot, went away into the city, and said to the men, here, here she goes. See, if you've really been changed, if you've really, really been changed by God, you will become an evangelist for Jesus. She walks away and begins to go tell everybody in verse 29, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, Jesus, eat. Eat. Keep reading with me. But he said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And his disciples said, The disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, that's the separation of somebody who's just coming to church for recreation and somebody who's a real disciple. They understand that this thing's serious. They understand that there are souls hanging in the balance and that I have people that I have to reach, that I have to tell about the Lord, that have my name on their hands, my name connected with the blood of their life, and they need me, they need me to go to them. They need me to not look down on them, they need me to lift them up to where I'm at. Not look down where they're at, but lift them up to where I am. Amen. Lean down and pick them up off the ground. Say, listen, I know where you're, I know where you're coming from. I don't listen. I've been working with drug addicts for 22 years, and I've never taken a drug. I've never been stoned, I've never been out of my mind, I've never done a drug, yet I've witnessed and led hundreds of drug addicts to the Lord and seen them change their lives. Why? Because I don't have to have done what they did to understand I'm a sinner just like you are. And I was where you were, and I can pick you up off the ground just like Jesus picked me up off the ground. Because whether you're a saint or you're a sinner, whether you're horrible or you're good, whether you think you're up there, or you're down here, the Bible says we're either sinners or we're saved. We're either blood-bought or we're lost. We're either children of God or we're children of the darkness. We're either walking in the light or we're walking in the dark. Amen. Which one are you this morning? I am a child of the living God. I'm a child of the son of God. I am a child of Jesus Christ and I'm bought with his blood and I'm different this morning. I've been lifted up off the ground and I'm thankful for my salvation this morning. I'm going to tell everybody I can about my Jesus. I'm going to be an evangelist for the Lord. He says, that's my food. That's my will. That's what I'm doing. I'm here to do something for God. And he goes on. I'm not going to read the rest of the verses. He goes on to say something very familiar about, hey, don't say it's four months away. The harvest is now. Now. Let's look at these last couple verses before the musicians come this morning. Verse 39. Watch what happens because, before you read this, watch what happens because first, Jesus sees the need. I need to go to this city. I got to go to Samaria. He obeyed. If you look around this place, I look back at Curtis this morning that we went out, our very first outreach and passed out flyers at an apartment complex and he came in to a movie. There was only two people at the movie. We wanted hundreds but one person came. Curtis came. Amen, Curtis? His marriage was on the rocks. They were separated on the verge of divorce. Got saved, came in for a while. Then his wife came in, got saved. Their marriage got restored. Amen. Then they invited Ashley and Dylan to the church, and they got saved. Now they're the youth leaders. They're still touching lives. They're touching lives. One person touches another that touches another that touches another. And if it wasn't for them going and us going and us saying there's a need, no one gets saved. Jesus went to this lady and he said, you need salvation. He led her to the Lord. And now, because he led her to the Lord, she goes and she says, come meet this man who's told me everything I've ever done. And watch what verse 39 says. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Watch this. Because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Amen. Musicians, you can come this morning. How many want someone to say, I'm here because he, she told me about the Lord? Amen. Amen. How many want that? That's what we're working for. We're working for something eternal this morning. We're working for something that's forever. You want to get to heaven and you want people to come up to you and you want them to say, hey, I'm here. Because of you. I'm telling you, you might not really know you want to hear that, but you want to hear it. You don't want to get up there and just be high-fiving everybody that you're there. Amen. You don't want to just be, oh, I'm so glad you made it. Aren't you glad we made it? Oh, yeah, we're here. I want people, before I ever get to any of you, to hug your necks and say, I'm so glad we're here for eternity. I want there to be a multitude of people between us. Coming and thanking me telling them about Jesus how many want that how many want to get up there and meet a whole lot of people that you've told about the Lord or even better meet some people that you've never met but you are connected to them through the gospel the Bible tells us in verse 39 there that all these, it not say how many but it says Samaritans actually it says many I don't know how many many is, but I'll take many over a few. Many is always better than a few, unless it's sickness. Amen? It's better. Many of the Samaritans believe because of the word of the woman who testified. That's just two stories. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stories in the gospel. Jesus goes to that really wicked, lost person and reaches them where they're at. It says, come on, follow me. It's a good message to tell people about. But listen, you're not going to reach people by looking down on them. And I'm not saying anybody in here is. I'm just reminding you. The way you're going to reach people is that you show them that you are just as lost as them. Relate to them. Say, I, I was lost too. You don't have to tell them what it was. I was lost too. And now... Watch this. I'm found, but I'm not found because of, again, because I'm a member of a church. I'm not found because I can quote 10 scriptures. I'm not found because I pray. I'm found because while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. While I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. That's all you got to say. I'm wicked and undone, just like you. There's nothing, I'm no better. You need Jesus just like I did, and you can have him, and you share him, and you come to the Lord and you get saved. Amen.